all bundled up. It's chilly. <laughs> I went for a walk in the woods today, and it was uh, like I don't think I've ever like warmed up yet. So we have woods up here. You remember? Usually, You're expecting when it, the worst. When a story starts that way, it's like, and I discovered a dead body. Oh no! What happens in Florida? <laughs> I told you I listen to way too many like, you know, serial killer, murder podcasts, documentaries, all that. <laughs> True crime podcasts have ruined normal experiences yes. for everybody. Yes. I was on the trail today, and I did pass a couple of people along the way, and I I did stop and think they could probably kill me, and nobody would know where I am. Yeah. I mean, they would find me eventually, but there'd be a pretty you know decent <laughs> amount of time where I would go undiscovered. I would imagine. Definitely. I don't run that risk here. Our, um, I only do neighborhood walks. We don't have woods that I'm aware of. <laughs> you haven't discovered them yet? <laughs> no, I haven't. I, haven't I know better than to venture out that far, just in case. A, like, what do you have where you are? Like, is it, are there, are there like, like, where are you in relation to like the Everglades? Is that a thing around Earth. you? <laughs> the Everglades? The Everglades well, are maybe six hours south of here it's like how long is florida further from you than than new york city it would be like you to between philly and baltimore i think is is, i didn't realize florida was that long yeah like that many hours of trips we're we're really really close to the border of georgia so we're we're almost like out of the state so yeah do we have anything like everglades kind of we live in between the ocean and what they call the intercoastal waterway which is like kind of marshy okay but that's not really woods though it's no 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 yeah like you could you could take like like, swamp kind of like a swamp but you could like go out on boats there you know what the woods are right (laughs) yes okay I don't but, know, how many boats have you taken into the woods before? <laughs> you know me. I like to, I stay where there's pavement and. <laughs> yeah. You like to know your feet are underneath you, not, yeah. not potentially sinking into marshland. Yes. So I'm glad that you survived the woods and kept your outfit on and. <laughs> yeah. It was just that it wasn't cold. It was, it was. It was cold, and uh, I haven't really quite warmed up yet. So this is—I've stayed in this regalia and since you, I've uh, returned. You don't have heat down there, right? I don't. Um, I have a little space heater, but I don't think it's gonna uh, carry as far away from it as I currently am. So this is how I feel like I've dressed my entire life: high school, college, adulthood. I've just kind of stayed in like sweatpants, a hoodie. Some jacket of some sort over the hoodie and in the winter, a knit cap. This is pretty much how I've looked my entire life. Always ready to take a walk in the woods. Yeah, right. If, I, if you ask me, like, <laughs> that's what the you, look. Like, right, right. When somebody calls and says, do you want to go for a walk in the woods? I am prepared at all times. So, yeah. I almost, almost did something that I have never, ever done in our three years of recording, which you would have never known unless I told you. But uh, I almost put on pajama pants, like, early. And I was like, yeah, no one will know. But I don't know. I I feel like when I'm doing, like, a video recording, like, I need to be somewhat 
not polished, but mm-hmm. I don't feel like I would bring my A game. Like I, I, I did have a hoodie on, like right when you're texting me, you're like, are you ready? Like, that's what I went and did. I like changed into this. So, oh, you made it sound like you were like ready to go, like in seconds. So you covered that up oh, quite well that sorry. you were like, there was a costume change yeah, ahead yeah. of this, yeah. this recording. Yeah. But it was planned. Like, but I was like making the decision. Like I already had the hoodie on, and but I still had my jeans on and I was like, which way do I go here? Like I could put back on the sweater I had on earlier when I had a call or I could just go full into this and like put on pajama pants and keep the hoodie on top and yeah this is so much thought going into like just like your mental preparation for this like oh, you realize it's, too much it's just a conversation between between you and me really like like the clothing has to <laughs> this match is the contrast. Your, your approach to <laughs> but it's yeah, like I mean, what we're <laughs> it's like what we're comfortable with like i am more comfortable feeling like i'm like more presentable not saying I... you're not presentable but like Oh, I'm very much not presentable right now. <laughs> I'm well aware of that. Uh, I, I have gotten quite used to the, I guess, what has become very common now that we're all doing things virtually. The, you know, dress shirt on top, some kind of sweatpants or shorts, you know, depending upon the time of year, uh, on the bottom. That has been a regular, like, look for me for the last couple of weeks now. Um, and I have to say, I... I I'm completely fine with it. I find I don't think any less, you know, like I, I'm just as prepared. I, 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 I know it can't be a forever thing. If, if there's ever a return physically to an office building, I get that, but I am all for it while I can. Yeah. I, I really feel like whatever the person feels most comfortable in to do the work that they need to do is like what you should do. Like, but you show up every day in like some form of like slacks and, uh, <laughs> Not sl- not like dress slacks, but oh. I usually wear like jeans. I I some days will wear like uh, like yoga pants, but that's only if I've procrastinated my workout into the day. But I like to like do my workout, change out of those, and, and put on like regular clothes as if I were to go out of the house at a moment's notice, even though most days I don't. <laughs> do women say slacks? When I picture slacks, I picture like like women's suit pants or like dress pants for for girls okay i feel like i used a word and now like people will laugh at me for using that word to describe women's pants so it's helpful to know this like you wouldn't call jeans slacks would you no do you know what my grandmother used to refer to them as what pants or jeans jeans dungarees dungarees i have heard that before she would call them that like in normal conversation go put on your dungarees yeah (laughs) But I'm pretty sure dungarees are like the formal term for jeans, like like Lee dungarees. Like that's a thing. I just I just think at some point in time along the way, they just kind of became known as jeans. And I have no basis of proof of this other than I've heard the term Lee dungarees. So I think that was like when they first came into their their being, people would call them, refer to them as dungarees. So that's it for our 2021 fashion chat. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is how we're going into garb, the new year. <laughs> garb gab with Michelle and Steve. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Steve. And this is a podcast for creators. Two friends talking about the complex, messy, and beautiful experience that is being a creative. Still coming up with your word of the year? Oh, no, I have my word. Okay. 
I've I've had my words since um last the end of last year. I I came up with it. But that's Have you not, told anybody about it yet? I had my call with my with Lauren and Kaylin, my mastermind partners today, and told them and two other some are me. Some are you. <laughs> and um <laughs> and uh two other friends. Uh we chatted about it before Brooke and uh, Muriel before the new year. But I don't I don't think I'm gonna do a post about it. You wanna just whisper it and we can move on to whatever you wanted to tell me? Sure. Well, you don't have to tell me. It's fine. No, I can. I'm not. It's not a secret. I oh, mean, right. I, I'm not. I'll explain why I, I feel like I can't really talk about it. But I also feel like it's one of those things, like you know, like the posts that say like no one, and then like, hey, do you want to hear my word of the year? Like no one is asking me. No one's like Michelle. How come you haven't like done your post? So I'm like, you know what? I'm not like no one cares. I'm not gonna do it. I'll bet you I can guess it. <clears throat> you think you can guess it? I'll bet There's you no can... way you're going to guess it. How many questions do I get? Oh, it's like a, like a 20 questions type thing? Yeah, but yeah, sure. That helps. Well, <laughs> I don't want to go for a 20, but I think that you would guess this word if it wasn't the word of the year, if it was just like something that I like, but it's not. I'll give you the hint of this. It's not like a noble, you know, these like words that most people pick that are like grace or, you know, they're usually like in that realm. Yeah. Growth. It's it's none of that. That's the hint? The hint is that it's not that. Yeah. Okay. Is it inspirational in, in, in by definition? It's inspirational to me, but by definition... I would say it's more aspirational than inspirational. Okay. Is it in a title of a book that you've read? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Reflect? No. See, that's very noble. That's like a Oh, that's very... not noble. It is. It's like... Am I close? No. Okay. My word is... I give up. I don't care anymore. <laughs> I know you don't care. You never cared. <laughs> I just wanted to try to guess it. That's all. My word is luxurious. Oh, that was my next guess. Honestly, the first thought I had that came into my head was leisure. So I was okay. in the ballpark. You were in the ballpark. Sorry to kick you out prematurely. How is luxurious not noble? It's just like the reason that I don't want to share it is because I feel like when people think of that word, it sounds very, like, fancy, like you're planning on spending you wanna... a lot of money, like, which are things that, like, I want to do. I'm not saying that, you know, that that person might be wrong in thinking that, um, but it sounds, I guess, kind of like a selfish word. Like, what does that do for you if my word is luxurious? But my interpretation of it is that it could be good and planning on it being good for other people. I I want to uh, indulge in more things that make me happy and not feel guilty about it. And in that, on the other side of that, like be able to give generously and freely of, you know, of my time and money. So I wanted to kind of like go both ways. But yeah, I, I felt like luxurious was a nice building block on my last two words, which were abundance and boundless. 
So that's my word. I like Luxurious it. Luxurious 2021. Oh, and also the tie-in to a lot of people have been posting about how we're kind of like in the 20s, like in the 1920s, like people came after like the Spanish flu and that's when all like the, you know, Roaring very kind 20s. of like, yeah, like opulent lifestyle. I think I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready for that too. <laughs> Just remember that the end of the decade was the Great Depression. So <laughs> get it in while you can. <laughs> Why not? I mean, if it's like a, a good ten year run, I think it'll it'll be worth That's it. That's true. Yeah, you get good ten <laughs> t- good ten years of luxury out of that. I think you're in yeah. good shape, right? So we started something new. I'm usually going to you with ideas. So I think I was so excited that I barely listened to what you said, and I was like, you know what? Sure, let's do it. Could have said anything right there at that point in time, couldn't I? Michelle and I grew up in the 90s, and we've noticed, I think, over the years that a lot of the uh, references that we end up dropping in our podcast end up coming from that period in our childhood. We were a TV generation, so we remember a lot of these offbeat commercials and a lot of these things that um, were a part of our childhood, and I thought it would be fun to kind of like look back at them. We don't really watch commercials anymore in in this day and age. You know, ads are usually something that we're doing anything that we could possibly do to skip over. Funny commercials or or commercials with memorable jingles have stayed with us over the years. Uh, And this platform, this this commercial breakdown show gave us the opportunity to bring some of them back and, you know, relive a few of these moments with, with all of you and, you know, reflect fondly on them. So if you get a chance, go into one of our pod for creative social profiles or go to our website and look for commercial breakdown which is the name of our show i time this it takes literally four seconds of your time subscribe to our youtube channel and hit that thumbs up button if you have a friend or a sibling or someone um, that you remember talking to about the commercials that that we're showcasing Certainly anywhere where you can share it, we would really appreciate it. So what have you been up to the last two weeks? So the last two weeks, I've been sending out queried letters to potential literary agents. And the whole process has felt very much like applying for a job, which is something that I haven't done since 2009. So it has been humbling and I had hired someone to help me prepare for this process so uh, Christine from Asterism and Co I'll link to her in the show notes was incredible she helped me write a synopsis Um, she put together like a whole marketing analysis so that I could intelligently be able to talk about what genre my book is and Um, what comparable titles um, may work in trying to market the book, help me uh, edit like a a sample and put together this whole package for me, gave me all these instructions on how to send these queries in. Uh, So I felt very prepared, but, and, and we had this plan. She said, I think the week between Christmas and New Year's would be the perfect time to start sending these out. So I was like, all right, great. You've given me everything I need. I'm jazzed about this, like, let's do it. But then <laughs> the the week between Christmas and New Year's was, was weird for me because I was at my family's for the beginning of the week, and then we were traveling. We stopped one night on the way home, and it was just, it just felt like a very disruptive week. And there was, there was one point, like, when we stopped 
we stopped at a hotel on the way back in Virginia and I took my laptop out for the first time that week and I tried to get started and I'm like no I can't do this like it felt I could already like the seeds were kind of being planted that I'm like I'm definitely not as up for this as I thought I was going to be in my head so finally got back home and then I guess it was last week these these weeks of like I don't know about you but like the, the beginning of this year has just felt so off I started the process of actually sending these out and it definitely was not as easy as like copy paste because each of these literary agents has their own set of instructions and some of them were really complicated they used terms I didn't know so I was like poor Christine I was like emailing her I think every day for like the last two weeks like asking her questions and finally got to the point where I, I got a few of them out and then I found this one agent that I was really excited about working with I felt like it was really in alignment for all the things that I like long-term want for this book and this agent's one of the things that she asks for is a synopsis but with spoilers in it so like basically summarize the entire book on one page double spaced and I don't know what happened but it just completely threw me like I spent three days trying to put this thing together and I finally just emailed Christine and said like listen I I'm so frustrated right now. I just feel like I wasted all of this time trying to write this thing and put it together. I said, I figured out how to write it with like one character, but my story is really like an ensemble story and goes back and forth between a bunch of different characters. So I said, like, what do you think? I said, do you think that I could send this in? Like just, you know, giving the story of like this one character. And she's like, no. So I felt like that was like a really low point in the week this was like Monday of this week so just a few days ago and like when I was thinking about talking to you about this tonight and like telling you the story I was like this sounds like this is really not that big of a deal at all and it's not now that it's like done and I was I after that after Christine said like no you gotta gotta put all four characters in and she did offer to help me rewrite it um, but I sat down and I pulled it off. I, you know, I put in that fourth day, but it just made me think of like that quote that says like more people would succeed if they just took like that one more step, because in that moment I was just like, even though I was so excited to work with this agent, I was ready to be like, you know what? Just screw it because I feel like I've wasted so much time and I'm not capable of, of writing this thing. This is like, this is beyond me. This is too hard and I can't do this. So I thought that that might be a good thing for us to, to chat about is kind of like when to quit, should you ever quit? Because in that moment, my answer was, yes, this is a great example of a time that, that you should quit and walk away if you're feeling like this frustrated that you can't do something. But now, being on the other side of it, I feel like I'm looking back at that story and thinking, maybe no one should ever quit anything. <laughs> because <laughs> if you... I had already, like, committed that I'm going to get a literary agent. So I was in. 
So if I were kind of like advising my past self, I would have said like, you know what the outcome of this is going to be. So just freaking do it. That was very long winded. I'm sorry. No, but it's a really good, it's a really good story. Like I think the decision to quit something it, it usually is, it, it, it comes down to what the person who is potentially on the precipice of quitting thinks of what other people are, will be thinking of him or her and what that, what that does to label that person. And, you know, I, I think we can all agree that like, that's not the healthiest way to, to, to live. I mean, you really should be thinking about you and your life. And, um, and I think certainly if something gets to the point where it's, it's detrimental to your health or your mental well-being, and it's, and it's, you know, it has the potential to have some significant short-term or long-term, uh, implications, then I think it's time to have a serious conversation with yourself about, you know, how sustainable is this and how much more do I want to put myself through? And does it just make more sense to walk away and, and, and live to fight another day? Um, I think with something like, you know, uh, certain types of projects, um, I, I think we have to be careful with wanting to, 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 to stop because it seems like it's too much versus, you know, this is just something that you might not have done before. And it's such a unique challenge that the, the momentary time to step away, clear your head, regroup and the benefit of coming back with a clean slate sometimes can make all the difference. And really, I think the more times you put yourself through those situations, um, the more you start to learn about yourself and what your strengths truly are and, and, and what you might have to kind of work on uh, a little bit more. I feel like in our shows, you're always asking me, have you ever struggled with this? Or like, tell me a, tell me a situation where like this happens to you. And I always come here and say, Oh, uh, you know, that really hasn't happened to me because I really, I don't take that many chances and I stay in my lane. I know what I'm good at and I stick with those things. So what I ended up emailing Christine with after this was um, all said and done was writing that one page synopsis was more challenging than writing the book, but I came out of it being a better writer and it was it was a really good experience for me not to just go through that to say, okay, now I feel like a stronger writer. But when I think about my role as, as an educator and I think about the people who have um, specifically come through my um, Principal Design Academy program, and I think it's so easy for me sometimes when people come to me with questions to, to kind of brush them off and say like, in my mind, not to them. I try to always give a, you know, like a, a considerate answer. But sometimes when I read these questions, I, I, I'll think, oh, isn't that, you know, this is so easy or wasn't that apparent? And I think sometimes even in, in my response, even questions that I think are, are good questions, I think sometimes I maybe brush them off and apologize if any of anyone listening or one of these students like, I make it sound like it's so much easier than it actually is. And it was just a good reminder to me that if we're trying something new, we're, we're, we don't know what we're doing a lot of the time. And if someone is humble enough to be willing to, to try it, then they deserve, you know, all the respect and support that 
you know, who's ever helping them can give them. Well, there's that one time I asked you about how hard is it to be a graphic designer and you called me a nimrod, <laughs> which I thought was a bit inappropriate for my question. But now I understand that it's just maybe how you were processing my, my question internally. I'm making myself sound like a terrible and you're, you know, not helping with this. Like no, I'm not going to come to your, I'm not going to come to your rescue <laughs> at this point in time. Um, no, I think you're right. And, um, I can remember being at in in uh, at St. Rose, the college that that you and I went to. And um, my freshman year, I had a professor for um, exp uh, expository writing, and um, history and, there. Yeah, and my 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 introduction to this professor was was unique in and of itself. It was like a late afternoon class and I had gotten into the building and I didn't really know where any of the classrooms were because none of them had numbers on them. But I had to go to room like D4 or whatever it is. So like I had stopped off to go into a room that was empty to see if I can find the map that, that we were given to try to find where my room is. So I flipped on the light and there was a guy standing in the room uh, with the lights out at the time. And I had flipped the lights on and I had clearly agitated this guy and um he turned around and I was, you know, oh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but can you tell me where D4 is? And and he kind of takes this big sigh and 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 he says, um, you know, it's it's down the hall on 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 the right hand side, last door. Okay, thank you. So I leave and I go down. Long story short, that guy comes back into the D4 where we're all sitting there about 10 minutes later, and he is the professor for that class. So we didn't get off on the best of foots because apparently I interrupted him uh, meditating. Um, <laughs> Long, to, 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 to keep the train moving here, um, he ended up being one of my favorite professors at St. Rose. And because the way he taught writing, it wasn't, um, it wasn't like dead poet society, right? It wasn't, it wasn't this like stuffed shirt. It was, it was breathable. It was real. It was, it was, you know, anticipating, where you want to go and how you can write and how you can see two or three steps ahead and how you can keep the line moving. And we, we talked about all different styles of writing that year, but the one piece of advice that I will never forget was talking about when you're stuck at some point in time, at some juncture in the piece that you're writing. And, you know, we, I would stay after class sometimes and pick his brain on a, on a paper that I was working on. And, and he would say, you know, don't forget to just walk away for a while. He goes, even if it's for a day, he's like, if you have it in your schedule, just let it go for a little bit and come back to it with a clear mind. And, you know, it seems so elementary, but I have found in life that not only in writing and I still use it today, but really in any type of exercise when it's just not clicking and I'm forced and I find myself getting anxious because I start to force the issue, um, I'm reminded of those words and I'm reminded of, you know, I just need to kind of make a break here. And usually when I end up coming back, whenever that is, I can come back to it, I guess, a little bit more refreshed. And I, I think it's something that I try to say to even people that I work with because it's so silly. It just seems so, again, elementary, but it's so effective. So I was thinking about that, the walking away because I, in the, my story, I did that. I did that three times. I walked away. I, I literally went on walks, walked away. I said, you know, I'll, I'll clear my head. I'll come back to this tomorrow. And did it again and did it again. And after that third time, and I went for a walk, I was like, I, I need help. Like, I'm not capable of doing this. So when I was reflecting back on it, I was just realizing that the problem wasn't 
I think that the clearing of the head thing helps a little bit, but I think my bigger problem was that I had decided that I wasn't a good enough writer to be able to concisely sum up my entire story with so many characters in one page. I had decided that it couldn't be done. Well, what if the clearing of the head, though, led to you coming to the conclusion that you needed support? And is that worth the process of walking away just so you can not beat yourself up as much as you probably were? Totally. I mean, that's ultimately it it involved clearing my head to the point where I had to reach out for help, which I think is always okay, whether it's like help or just getting another opinion, or sometimes it's just like venting to a friend and getting it out and then realizing that like, it's not as big of a deal as you've made, as you've like now created it to be. But yeah, I, I think ultimately it was, I guess, kind of getting that confirmation from Christine that like, I kind of knew when I sent it to her that like, there's no way she's going to say like, sure, what you wrote is great as is because I was like I was cutting a corner so there's Mm -hmm. no way that she was going to say the corner that you cut is the way that you should go and after I read that I was like okay I can actually do this and I'm going to do this and that was the thing that helped me to do it and once I sat down to write it for that the successful fourth time it took a while it took probably between two and three hours but it wasn't frustrating it was like once I had made that decision that I was capable of it and that the ends at the end of the story was going to be that I had this this piece at the end everything was was smooth from there so that was something like that I knew that I wanted to like talk to you about or like write about or somehow like document so that when I get to other points in this process because this is (laughs) this is just the beginning like this is all uncharted territory for me. A year ago, I didn't even know what querying was. I, I didn't even know like when you write a book that like you have to go through this step to get your book published. That, yeah, it's just a reminder that I, I need to be patient and continue to believe that the end result that I want, which is for my book to be traditionally published and for anyone to be able to walk into a bookstore and pick it up off the shelf is definitely going to happen. So is this effort now for you, do you start to see this as, you know, when you talk about staying in your lane, do you not, are you starting to see this, this process, these exercises that you're going through now a part of that lane, or is it still one of those like, okay, I did it. I don't want to have to keep doing it regularly, but I know I can do it if I have to do it. I'm sure you've had this experience before. Right after I wrote that, I was like, what else you got? I'm like, now <laughs> I can write like, I can write anything now. I, I, I you know, dramatic, but I feel like it, it, it was a turning point. And I don't know, have you ever had an experience like that where you like, you finally had, like you figured out how to do it and then you just wanted to continue to get better at it and practice it. Sure. Yeah. And then I think it always ends up coming back to bite me because your head gets too big and, uh, and, and you need to kind of like, you know, 
realize that you don't have it all figured out. I remember a story that my dad told me when he first started. My dad was a corrections officer for 20 something years of his life. And I can remember a story he told me growing up that on one of his first days on the job, uh, two of the older corrections officers uh, within the department were kind of showing him the ropes. And um, they would say to him, like, you know, so if this happens, then blah, 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 blah. But my dad would say, like, OK, yeah, I got it. OK, I got it. And then they keep going on with the instructions and say, okay, okay, now if this happens, such as, okay, you'll do this. And my dad would go, okay, I got it. I got it. And my dad kept saying that whenever they would give him kind of like advice or directions. And at one point in time, the old man yells down the corridor, the old corrections officer yells down the corridor to another, another guard that's on duty and said like, you know, Hey Ray, don't worry about it. The kids got it. And my dad kind of had this like realization, like, I, I need to listen. Like I need to, I need to slow down. And and I think there are moments where like you conquer something professionally or personally and you, and you really, you can't feel any better than you do. But you know, every 24 hours, 24 hours, the world turns over on whoever's sitting on top of it. And, and I don't think that's necessarily like to like pop a balloon, but I think it's something to kind of keep, it keeps your, your appetite wet for whatever's the, whatever the next thing is. But you know inside that you've gotten that skill set that you can kind of do things. And, and I think that's what you hold on to in those moments. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think not only was it a breakthrough in that, like, I was excited to, to write more because I feel like I was going to be better at it. But also I feel like it was a, a point in the column of, like, you can do things that are not in your lane, that are not in your wheelhouse. And you know, when you're going through it, <laughs> I may have to remember that. Um, but it's it's kind of exciting to to go into uncharted territory and like and suck at it, but ultimately like feel like you can learn anything and get better at anything if you are willing to to put the time in and the heart into it. Totally. I think only you know when when there's warts in the process. You're really the only one who knows about the warts. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's a lot easier to say, like, if I screw this up or or if I struggle here, like, I'm going to be the only one who knows this. I'm not on stage. This isn't being broadcast. So in that regard, it's just kind of how do you keep your your own voice in your head kind of in check and stay on that course? I can remember a lot of times, you know, early in my career when I would start, you know, doing presentations and speaking in front of people, things didn't go perfectly but I started to realize that I was really the only one who knew when things weren't going perfectly or when I missed a cue for something like I was able to kind of rally and it would be fine and nobody would seem to be any wiser for it. Um, but I had one moment a number of years ago, um, at one of the national conferences presenting in front of what would have been the largest crowd that I had ever presented in front of. It was upwards of like 120 people. And, um, and, and, and nailing it in my own estimation, nailing it. And I remember walking out of the room after like everyone had left and they cleared out and it was just me and I was kind of gathering my things. And I just remember being like, yeah, like, you know, <laughs> like I did this and like the thought of presenting the thought of, I mean, it never really kind of phased me after that, like being nervous, being kind of anxious, it kind of melts away because, you know, you've, you've ridden that roller coaster of like, you know, struggles and, and then, and then, you know, peaks and valleys of the process, but then you start to kind of find your rhythm and you, uh, you know, you tell yourself and you convince yourself that you can do these things. 
If you've enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word on social media. Tag us at pod for creatives and let us know what stood out to you. Garb gab. I feel like that's hard to say and spell. Like I would struggle to type that. (laughs) It is hard to say, but it's catchy. It is. It's alliterative. So that's that's always good.